0: friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy.
1: Welcome back to our spoiler section, Scooby Secrets. Um, thanks for listening to our non-spoiler <laughs> section where we hold our tongue the whole time. Um, this episode is like mm-hmm. obviously super deep because we talked about a lot of that in the non-spoiler section, but I feel like there's a lot of callbacks, so we're really excited to get into it. But if you have not seen all of Buffy and you don't want anything to be spoiled and you have not seen the show Angel, then I would suggest hopping off. If not, welcome um there's a lot to talk about we say that every time but i don't know like there's just a lot of like little details that are kind of thrown in this episode i I feel like correlate to other episodes
0: spoilers apart from like maybe prophecy girl or stuff like like something big like that like on this episode than probably any other episode like I was honestly surprised by how much I had forgotten that this episode kind of like kickstarts a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it
2: establishes pretty much the theme for the show. I think it's been hinted at before in previous episodes, but this episode really kind of hits the nail on the head. And it also – I mean, the deeper we get into season two, the more – meat we have in our episodes and the more we're going to have to talk about in our spoiler section because there's just so much character development and foreshadowing for stuff that even happens later on the season with Angelus.
1: Yeah. I feel like this episode could fit anywhere in the series. Like, if I could choose to, I would show this episode right before them watching season six, especially at the end where she says, like, um, she says, nothing's ever simple anymore. I'm constantly trying to work it out. Who to love or hate? Who to trust? It's like, the more I know, the more confused I get. And I feel like that's just describes Buffy in season six, where she's just like, I don't know who to trust. Like, I just, I
0: don't know. Like, life really hits her on the head around season five and on, the show definitely takes darker turns. Like, you know, you have Joyce who dies, you have Buffy herself who goes through actual death, you know. You have Willow and, you know, all the major plot points and everything like that that were just very dark and very surprising. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's so crazy to see that even in the second season, they were trying to show, like, this world is hard and it's gray it's not black and white and like it's complicated and when you have someone like buffy who's a slayer and has literally the pressures of the world on her she's going to feel it even at a young age yeah well this whole
2: episode kind of jump starts buffy's descent well not descent i guess her entering adolescence i mean We obviously were building from that from the beginning of season one, but this really kind of shows how gray Buffy's world is starting to become, and we're going to see Buffy have a similar conversation like the one at the end of this episode with Giles several more times throughout the series, and each time her – conversation is somewhat similar, but she has a more mature perspective to bring to it. Um, and I think it's really important to uh, to address that and remember that because it's very realistic to real life. We all start out with a very black and white view of life because life seems so simple when you're a kid. But then as you get older, you realize life is more nuanced and is a lot weightier and more complicated than we'd like it to be. Before we jump to the end, I wanted to talk about how Buffy lies to Giles in Reptile Boy and like willow and buffy steal the manuscripts or the watchers diaries and all that stuff and how everyone's kind of like not being 100 percent honest with each other and i think that all really comes to a head in the next episode the dark age when we really meet ripper giles kind of like for the first official time and you have ethan rain back and it really shows how giles doesn't want buffy to know the deeper parts of him and i think that it's incredibly important after seeing like this scene with him and Buffy to show that not only does Giles need to trust Buffy, but Buffy also needs to trust Giles. Like, in order for them to be able to progress their Slayer and Watcher relationship and actually defeat evil, they need to have this like absolute trust in each other. That's a
1: good point. I feel like this is such a brilliantly placed episode to put right before the dark age because it's like all right all these people lying to each other kind of shielding buffy from the darkness of life <laughs> and then the next episode literally the dark age and then it's like all right here's a dark past of giles um and, and then giles we kind of have to like go through it really all again lied to buffy up to now and so i think
2: there's a reason why she's talking to him and like revealing her heart because she feels like she can trust him and in the next episode She's like, whoa, there's this whole side of Giles that I didn't know. And he has to learn to open himself up to Buffy.
0: Speaking of Giles, one thing I thought was interesting in watching this episode or rewatching this episode was how Giles kind of is pushing Buffy to like hang out with Angel or pursue Angel. Which I've been seeing it all throughout the first season and the second season. And it's something we don't get in the third season on because, you know giles has been burned by angelus and so he never really views angel the same Mm -hmm. whereas like in this episode we see him kind of be like buffy like go hang out with angel i know you love angel like whereas in the later seasons like i will say giles is a lot like he's respectful and so he lets buffy make her own decisions Mm -hmm. and stuff but we always get the sense that giles does not trust or like
2: angel Yeah, I mean, for good reason, but I think about um, Out of Mind, Out of Sight, where they literally meet for the first time and and Giles has like this respect and this admiration for Angel. And I always forget about those moments, like you said, Leah, because all I can think about is post Angelus and where Giles Uh, just really, really hates Angel.
0: I did want to talk about Angel and Drew's past. Yes, me too. I forgot that they hadn't met Yeah on screen yet. Like they hadn't um mm-hmm. like talked or whatever. And so every time I rewatch this episode, I'm like, oh my gosh, like we don't know about their past yet. And I will say like they do kind of expose more about their history on Angel. Mm-hmm. Um because they they I think they even show flashbacks of when he him they do, him, yeah. and Drus- Drusilla, <laughs> him and Drusilla not Drusilla. Him and Darla, thank you. Like turned her but like It's just very interesting watching and observing now knowing obviously their futures and their past seeing how the way that Angel talks to her like you can just tell he has so much guilt which is absolutely valid but also like the way that Drusilla interacts with him is very interesting because like she is drawn to him and kind of is always like compelled by him in a way not like obviously like in a vampire diary type of way but more of like a natural way where she just kind of is like drawn to angel and i think a big part of that is because he turned her and kind of made her who she is before she was even a vampire he made her go crazy and so i think that now that she has a demon inside of her like a part of her kind of
2: has respect for what he did maybe it's just a very twisted love and affection. Like, she should hate him. And I think that mm-hmm. we've talked about how Drusilla is very – like, she's got, like, a twisted innocence to her. Like, she should yeah. be pure. She should be good. She seems like she should be, but she's also this horrible vampire. And so the fact that she kind of has a soft spot for the person that tortured and killed her yeah. perfectly represents how uh twistedly naive and innocent she is.
0: And I think it's interesting to see, like, this weird contrast between, like – how she's kind of portrayed as very like weak and innocent and like, you know, all that in these episodes flash forward to when she kills um Kendra Kendra. <laughs> I can't, I'm forgetting everyone's name. But like it's just very interesting to see how kind of wide her character goes.
2: I think it's also interesting to note that as her character changes and grows in power, so does her wardrobe. Like she's wearing this simple, mm-hmm. pure white dress for the, half of the season until I think it's um, What's My Line Part 2 when Angel gets captured and they yeah. use his blood to revive Drusilla. Then she's wearing this red dress for the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just perfectly describes kind of how Drusilla comes into
1: her power and becomes more and more evil. So I love the fact that Drusilla is like the the seer. And I like how they kind of play into that. When So when she's talking with Angel in the beginning of the episode, she says, your heart stinks of her. And then in Fool for Love, she's talking to Spike and she's like, you're all covered in her. Talking about the Slayer again. And so it's just really interesting that she can just kind of sense the essence of somebody being allured to someone or someone who's like attracted to somebody. Um, But she just, like, phrases it in such a unique way that I feel like only, like, a seer would phrase it. Like, your heart stinks of her.
2: She can tell when someone is tainted by goodness. Because when Angel becomes Angelus and she sees him for the first time, Spike wants to throw him out. But she knows immediately that he's Angelus, not Angel anymore. I think she said daddy's back or something like that. And so it's interesting. And then when the judge comes and stuff, too, like, Drusilla can tell – how tainted someone is with goodness, and I say in quotes. Um, But I also wanted to talk real fast. I thought this was really interesting. So somebody brought this up on um, our last post. They were talking about our theory about how there are different aspects of Buffy and different characters in the show. And I never thought about this, but there is a very clear correlation between Drusilla and Buffy.
0: mm mm-hmm. I was going to talk about
2: this because not only do you have the fact that Angelus was obsessed with Drusilla, hunted her down, tortured her, all that stuff. And then in passion, we see a very similar thing with Angelus again, with his obsession with Buffy. But even more than that, they're both, they both have the gift of visions and foresight. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
2: I never thought about this. I just, I feel so stupid, but Buffy and Drusilla share a birthday. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know Drew's birthday, so... they No, no, they say that. The reason why you know is because on Surprise, they're literally planning Drusilla's birthday party. That's why she gets the judge. The judge is her birthday present. And then on Buffy's, during her Surprise... Um Angel captures – Angel and Buffy capture that um shipment of the judge's body parts that they're taking to Drusilla. And he brings Buffy the judge's arm. Remember, it grabs her around the mm-hmm. neck. And she says something about, like, how it's not the greatest birthday present she's ever had or something like that. And it's interesting how they make the parallel that it's both Drusilla and Buffy's birthday. And they both kind of get the same thing in the same – in a way.
0: Yeah. I was going to talk about that too. Pretty much what you said, like – I always knew that, like, Angelus kind of had these weird parallels between, like, Drew and Buffy, but I never realized how mm-hmm. many there were until I rewatched this episode. But I think that it's just in general, like, Angel or Angelus loved taking innocence I was about and say turning that. Yep. it into something very yeah. corrupt. And we see that, that his tactic was always to make them go crazy first. And I think it's really interesting that we saw him try and use the same tactics he used on drusilla on buffy like he was gonna kill joyce um and he was probably gonna go kill willow and xander next and stuff obviously he didn't get to it but like so we saw him trying to like kill everyone she loves which is what he did with drew and then like kind of hunt her down and like make her go crazy and honestly like if he had killed all of her loved ones it would have made her go crazy well also like i yeah.
1: I was watching Passion, uh, the other day and, oh wait, no, no, sorry, it's Innocence, yeah. And so he grabs Willow in the hallway when people don't know that he's Angelus. And then he says, oh, like she's scared or something like that. And he's stroking her cheek and he says, it's a turn on. And so it kind of just like plays into that where he's just like, he gets thrilled by the idea of like tainting Innocence, which is ironic because the episode's called Innocence. But I don't know. It's just very twisted, but also makes for great storytelling, and it's really scary as a villain.
2: Well, and it's great, too, because this episode, everybody meets Drusilla for the first time, except for us as the viewers. And you find out what Angel or Angelus did to mm-hmm. Drusilla. And it's interesting the way that Angel talks about it, because he could very easily say – Angelus did this. Angelus, like, tortured Drusilla, but he says, I did. And I yeah. think that that kind of plays into the amount of guilt that Angel himself feels. And I think that there's a lack of separation between himself and Angelus. And you see that in amends when he says, it's not the demon that needs killing in me. It's the man. Um, and I think that's like, I, we're probably just going to be making correlations and contrast to Spike until season seven, but, Is very different from Spike, who I think it's hilarious that Spike is also obsessed with Drusilla and Buffy. Like, Angel and Spike have a lot in common. Yeah, they had a type for sure. Yeah, and they're both named William and – yeah. But on top of all of that, you know, I think that's one of the main differences between Angel's – soul and Spike's soul is Angel was literally cursed with a soul, which means he cannot have mm-hmm. a moment's peace. He's constantly thinking yeah. about what he did. And that's why he cannot separate himself from Angelus versus Spike, who won his soul, I guess, for lack of better words, he fought for a soul or something. Um, and he's able to separate himself from his past person. And he, it, it takes, you know, up until he fights Dana and Angel season five for him to actually truly I believe feel guilt and remorse, um, for all the things he did when he yeah. had a soul. Because you see, you see in lies my parents told me when he's fighting Robin Wood, he's no. not really yeah. very sorry simply because he views himself as different from the vampire, the soulless vampire that he was before versus Angel. Yeah. Like it's the same person.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also this is. The episode that Willow invites Angel inside, which leads to passion.
0: I was just about to say that. I, I literally said, like I wrote in my notes, I said, I, I'm almost positive. Because at this point, they knew they were going to have an Angel oh, yeah. storyline. And so I like wrote, I was like, I'm almost positive that the writers made this moment so that they could Honestly, use it Honestly, it was very it well later. done, too. I didn't
1: feel like it was like purposely put in there. Yeah. It felt very effortless. Like it made sense that he would go to the brains of the group oh, yeah. to like... Trying to figure out and research someone he had never met.
0: Well, and also, it was more so the fact that Willow was Buffy's best friend. I like how this doesn't seem forced in a way where when, like, Angelus comes in, you're like, oh, well, we all know why he wanted to go see Willow. Like, the first time I remember seeing this, and Angelus turned, and then, like, you know, all that stuff popped up in Willow's room, I remember being like, when did Angelus mm. like get invited into Willow's? Like I didn't even remember because it seemed so natural and like
1: effortless. I feel the same way, but with Giles's house, I always forget mm. when he's invited into Jaws. I can't even remember right now. Well, when he's invited. you actually
2: don't see it on screen.
1: Okay, it that makes sense. Because I was like, yeah. I don't even remember that. Yeah. That's, it was so one. seamless. But again,
2: that seems natural too, because they're not going to show every single aspect. Like they mm-hmm. showed enough for you to know that he was invited probably pretty much everywhere.
1: Which I kind of like because it made that whole scene even more heart wrenching because you wouldn't think that he would you wouldn't think in your mind, oh, that's right, he was invited and in, so her body's gonna be upstairs. Like I didn't even think about that. I was like, Oh, he set this up himself. Like, I don't know. Or Jenny did. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The set for Angeles is incredible in this season. Mm-hmm. Like they do a good job of showing and telling, but setting it up so that like when Angel's telling Buffy what he did to Drusilla, you're like, whoa, like this is awful, like what he did. And so you're setting up the suspense. So the moment that Angel turns into Angelus, you're like, holy crap, holy crap. Like you're thinking yeah. back to all the stuff that he told them, all the stuff that they did, the stuff that Giles has read about him. And you are fully prepared to be terrified of him even before he becomes Angelus, which is just brilliant storytelling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, one of the things I had, it's kind of like a smaller thing, but when, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Man, man, Leah. The main, the main guy. Ford? Ford, thank you. (laughs) When Ford, I like forget everyone's name, when Ford, um, slaps Buffy and she like tumbles down the stairs, I couldn't help but laugh because I was like, first of all, she's the slayer. She gets hit every day by actual supernatural people. This is someone with literal... Like probably stage four cancer, he probably cannot hit that hard. Like he's probably very weak. I think he was desperate though. But like the the fact that it had that amount of impact, the only person I've seen who've hit her like that and had that kind of impact is Faith.
2: Well, the difference was she was literally standing on the stairs. So she was kind of like in a precarious position. Her momentum. And he had the advantage Mm -hmm. too. And he caught her by surprise. Yeah. I think she wasn't even facing him when it no, happened. No, she was Either. facing she was down, facing everybody yeah. else.
1: Yeah, so that makes sense. But yeah, it's it is kind of extreme for. I know, mean, he how only he's he only to be. slaps her like twice, and then she hits him against the wall. So I don't really see it as yeah. that big of a deal. But also, I think it's supposed to show that she was caught off guard, and so and as we see later on, like Buffy's mental health in certain episodes affects her fighting ability. So I think the fact that her friend was hitting her and she was caught off guard kind of played into mm-hmm. that as well. I don't think she expected him to do that. I think she literally
2: thought up until the last moment that he was going to change his mind
1: and help her save those people. Yeah.
2: I would think that. Yeah. Real fast, I wanted – before we leave the Drusilla scene, I wanted to talk about the song that Drusilla sings.
1: Yes. I wrote that down too.
2: uh Uh-huh. The lamb is caught in the blackberry patch. Mm -hmm. She sings it two more times in the series. Oh, she does? She sings it again in – uh-huh. She sings it again in What's My Line Part 1. And then she sings it again in Angel, the episode Reunion, when she brings Darla back from the dead. No
1: way. Mm-hmm. What the heck? Yeah. I, I was just yeah. I had like a correlation at the end of the episode with that song. I wasn't thinking like other episodes. Yes.
0: <laughs> like, that's
1: funny. Or not funny, but that's yeah. like, that's crazy that they have that so much continuity.
2: Yeah, it's really clever. I love it.
0: Does the song like necessarily mean anything specific to our character or is it just kind of like a creepy song? Well, I, think, I feel like I it's more it's
1: like creepy. predatory and more of just like how vampires kind of catch their prey because he's talking about a lamb being caught in like a nest. So you kind of see it as like somebody's like taking advantage of someone who's weak. Um,
0: yeah, I definitely see that. I just wondered yeah. if there was maybe like a, oh, you know, this is some weird insight into our character. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's it's a pretty obvious meaning of what it what it's hinting.
1: Also, at. this is the first episode we meet Anne, or I don't know her real name. Yes, I was gonna write that down. I don't know I her real like, name. You guys, want to
2: know what her real name is? What is it? That was what I was gonna say, like for the like little thing at the very end. But I guess I'll tell you. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so I know tabs, man, ruining my vibe. It's that something
1: with an R. It does not. No. Oh. Well. She changes her name by several times in different
0: episodes. I know. She does. And I can't even keep one person's name down. But her, like, original
2: name before, like, the one that they gave her. So we meet her as Chanterelle, and then she becomes Lily because that's the name her boyfriend gives her. And then she takes Buffy's name, Anne, towards the end.
0: So, Oh, wasn't it, like, Sunny something? No. Sunday is is the name of the vampire. (laughs)
2: Yeah, season four. Man,
0: I am
1: losing it. Really. <laughs> you can look at your notes. please <laughs> like, "What the guy's name in this episode?
0: <laughs> I, know. I know. I just – I keep thinking it's going to come to me and then it doesn't. <laughs>
2: Are you ready? Are you ready. ready for it? I'm really excited about this. I so wish yeah. okay, and- this going to be
0: something really lame. Like time or something. Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Lemon. Well, okay. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> then you're going to be pretty bummed with this. Okay, so the name is – Joan, where have we heard that before?
1: Wait, wait, wait. I, I think I know. I think no, I know. Guys. Wait, Joan, 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 Joan. Wait, no, I, I don't wait, know. I know this. Joan. That's a boring name. No wonder why. Leah, <laughs> I can't, names. I can't think. <laughs> wait, is this in the Buffy verse? Right, it is in the Buffy verse.
0: Joan, Joan. I literally just keep thinking Joan of Arc. So. Well, I mean, like, I mean, Willow dresses
2: up as Joan of Arc in season four, but that's oh, not—that's not what so this is I from. <laughs> no,
1: I—I know this has significance, and I know yes. I know it, but I—it has meaning. Remember. It's gonna kill
2: me. It has meaning. Okay, you guys ready? And you just oh tell us gosh. Yes. Please, <laughs> <laughs> like, forget it. What is it? Okay. I—I <laughs> I will tell you at the end. No. The no, i was kidding. I hate that you're the one that bear with all the great information. Um. All right, so in Tabula Rasa,
0: oh, ho, ho, Joan yep, yep.
2: joan is the name yep. that Buffy gives herself when she doesn't know what her name is. Dang. I don't remember so that.
1: So much Corley. I <laughs> was like, ew, Joan, you would be a Joan. Oh, yes. I do remember that. <laughs> but isn't that
2: cool? Like, Anne takes on Buffy's name, Buffy takes on Anne's name, and they're both at times when they're both very low and they need strength.
0: That is that's so cool.
2: Yeah. That is
0: cool. So, anyway. What I was gonna say about Miss Joan is that <laughs> like it's so funny because when she comes back in, I didn't remember her at all. Oh,
1: and I think man, that's a so good <laughs> Yeah, you've
0: watched. You've seen the show For like those, twice. <laughs> no, I've seen the show actually a lot, especially the first three seasons. You've seen five, but, six, and seven ones. No, just six and seven once. I've seen five before. Oh. But I I do I for those of you who are listening and don't know me, I have a severe severe problem with identifying <laughs> blondes. I don't what it It's a beer, guys. No, it's so bad. <laughs> and only on shows, like I think in real life like I like to tell people more, but like in shows they all meld together for they don't. me. No, they literally do. All the, all this being said, when when Anne or Joan or you know whatever Chanterelle her name is, or Lily, Chanterelle, <laughs> Lily, yeah, when she came back in the beginning of season three, I did not remember her, and then she was like. Buffy? I was like, is this a new character? <laughs> like, oh, I was like shocked. It took me half the episode to realize where she was from. Leah kept mixing up Darla
1: and Kate on Angel as well, like every That's episode. That's understandable. <laughs>
0: but, you know. <laughs> they they look the same. But, like, <laughs> it wasn't until in that episode when she mentions like, oh, I was part of this weird culty vampire thing that I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember who she is. Yeah.
1: Well, the actress actually tried out for Buffy's character, and then they created mm-hmm. this one for her. So it's mm-hmm. kind of cool that they gave her some correlations with Buffy, and then some like standalone episodes where she can have some like one-on-one conversations with her. And I like how they had her character come back in an Angel.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I definitely think that like Angel picked the people that came on from Buffy really well. Yeah, I yeah.
2: agree. They all kind of mesh, and I love that. Anne, I'm just gonna call her Anne. She was only, I think, in four episodes total throughout, mm-hmm. like her Buffy. No way. And mm-hmm. she's in. Okay, so she's in this one. Then she's also in Anne. And then I think she's she in, feels like she's in way. She's more. in three episodes on Angel, I believe, three or four. So she's in total like five or six episodes total. Like, because didn't she
1: host that like um that huge barricade the, like like um, the gala? But like you know when everyone was stuck in there and they're boarding off all of the vamps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's like five or six episodes. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. And same with Ethan
2: Rain. Ethan Rain's only in about four or five episodes. That one actually but makes he's sense. Very to memorable. Me. Yeah. Crazy. I forgot to mention this in the spoiler free section. But um, the band that Buffy references in this one, the Divinals I Touch Myself, is the same band that did a ton of the music in the OG Buffy movie. Isn't that funny? No way
1: also okay so i know this is really subtle but i like didn't pick this up until this rewatch um but when like buffy's talking to giles and jenny's in the room and she uh finds out about drusilla sorry my my mind just blinked there for a second um when she found out about drusilla and she saw the picture and they were talking about her and then um she was like oh i saw angel with her and jenny says it isn't he supposed to be a good guy but she says it in a way of like oh i'm keeping tabs on him like like that seems like mm. out of the blue it's in my mind it seemed very much like mm. oh that's interesting i need to keep my eye on him like he seems like or oh, i need to yeah. report that mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's a good catch, Tabs. I always forget that Jenny is yeah. one
2: of those people until like literally innocence or I guess it's not innocence, it's surprise. So that's a good catch because I forget to look for those little hints. But
1: like the um oh my gosh, what's the actress's name? I'm blinking. Robbie yeah. Lorotte. Um she does it in such a way where like I don't ha- like I'm totally butchering it, but the way she says it, you can tell there's an underlying like meaning or understanding of why she's yeah, saying it. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Which okay, funnily
1: enough? Did
2: you know that Rabia's last name literally means the death? Oh, death. And she's oh. like one of the most iconic deaths on the show. It's just kind of crazy. Um, I wanted to talk about how when Willow's acting like a spaz when she has to lie to Buffy in the school hallway, and Ford says there aren't two of those in the world, total foreshadowing to doppelganger when there aren't yeah, two Willows.
0: That's what I thought too.
2: Also, when Angel and Willow and Xander are off investigating the vampire clan, it feels a lot like what Angel does on Angel Investigations on the show.
1: Okay. So I I literally wrote this down and I kept thinking to myself because I rewatched this episode with my mom like two months ago and I had this thought in my brain and I was like, I'm going to talk about this in the podcast and I completely forgot about it in the non-spoiler version. So this is me right now talking about it.
2: (laughs) Some poor soul is going to go back and watch this and be like, dude, I was – robbed
0: i know i'm so sorry i know every <laughs> single time we like are in the spoiler section we're like well we forgot to talk about this in this non-spoiler section but it doesn't matter we'll talk about it here i know i
1: feel bad because this definitely could have gone in the non-spoiler section um okay so in the conversation with buffy and ford when they're upstairs in the um the bomb shelter so the whole episode the lighting is normal but in this like scene or this spot Buffy has like full on light in her face. Like mm-hmm. like full on. Like there's no shadows. Like you can go back and rewatch it. And Ford has like half of his face is a like yes, completely dark. I saw that. And like it, it's such like a obvious metaphor for like his like Mm -hmm. humanity and his dark side like fighting each other and like as this thing goes on he gets darker and darker literally the Mm -hmm. shadow goes a little bit further over half of his face Mm -hmm. it's the coolest thing i've ever seen and i was like wow what the heck how have i not noticed this but like the whole episode like they're both like because they're they're outside a lot so the light is like fully on them um but this is like the only scene and it's the part where he's exposing his humanity and exposing the the grossness of his humanity and that's when like the shadow was like going over half his face which i thought was cool i also love that there's little hints of them
2: progressing the overall storyline you literally have like the blonde vampire that steals the dulac um manuscripts to give to spike which in those manuscripts Gives Drusilla's cure, which is angel, and you don't see that for several more episodes. But it's like a short little thing that happens, mm-hmm. and it's progressing the plot. And you're like, hmm, I wonder what Spike needs with those. Yeah. And then you
1: don't see it for. Leah's like, and stole the manuscripts.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, Darla was in this episode. <laughs> oh my god. Um.
1: Okay, so. As Sarah mentioned in the non-spoiler version, I'm glad we mentioned this in the non-spoiler version because these people would be jiffed up <laughs> this. Um, but the seventh episode kind of like kickstarts the rest of the season. And I feel like Buffy talks to Ford about what being a vampire without a soul is like. And so she's explaining it to him, which is so important to talk about this now, to dis- have a distinction between a vampire with a soul and a vampire without a soul, mm-hmm. because then you have Angelus a couple episodes later. She says... That's not how it works. You die and a demon sets up shop in your old house and it walks and talks and it remembers your old life, but it's not you. And I feel like that was super important and, again, an effortless flow in the conversation so that we can then have understanding and then angels comes in and it's even more penetrating. Yeah. Yep. So
2: good. The last thing that I have is I just wanted to talk about how important – um, the last – I mean, we talked about it at the very beginning, but the last scene with Buffy mm-hmm. and Giles is where Buffy's talking about how these decisions are hard and he's like, yeah, she wants him to lie to her. He says the good guys will always be distinguishable from the bad guys. Um, Good guys always win. No one ever dies. I mean, we obviously know that right. none of that comes true, like that it just is pain for the rest of the show. I mean, there's bright spots in it too, but you know what I mean. But I think that it's important to note that there's a very similar conversation that they have in The Gift. Yeah. And even in Passion, I guess we'll, we'll start with Passion, which is later on in the season where they're literally both standing over a grave, identical or not. It's very similar, same graveyard, but they're standing over a grave just like they are with the Fords. And they're talking about how Puppy says, I wasn't ready then. I know what I must do and she's talking with a little bit more certainty than she was here um and she says i'm sorry i couldn't kill him for you and then and then you have uh the gift where she says if i don't know how to live in a world where these are the choices i have to make um and she says if i have to kill don or if don dies then i'm quitting and you know all that stuff and then you have Literally, you know, season six where she has to wrestle with and fight with these things that she doesn't want to fight with. But the biggest correlation I've always made, and I, I think this is just really brilliant, but the episode is called Lie to Me. And then in season seven, there's the episode called Lies My Parents mm-hmm. Told Me. And I referenced it, it earlier, but you have a very similar scene where Buffy and Giles are back in a graveyard and hey, Decisions have to be made. Like you are the general. You need to um, be making these. He's like, when it comes down to it, are you willing to kill people for the sake of saving the world? Because he said, We talked about this with Don. You said you would not kill Dawn. And he's like, now looking back, would you kill Dawn? And Buffy says, Yes, yes, I would kill Dawn. And then she finds out that he's actually distracting her so that Robin would could could kill Spike. And in that moment, it's interesting because. I think of like – and we're going to – we can dissect that whole like right or wrong whether Giles was in the right, Buffy was in the right, all that stuff when we get to it. But I think it's interesting that later on in that episode, Buffy tells Giles, I think you've taught me all that you can tell me Um mm. and that Giles is actually lying to her and abusing the trust yeah. that she has in him in that episode and it kind of is just like a sad little foreshadowing in light of me of what happens in lies my parents told me because giles is effectively buffy's parent in this series you that know? episode hurts me <laughs> i know and i have a uh, whole lot to yeah. say about it when we get to it but yeah. i just think that that's an interesting correlation
1: yeah or like kind of like what you said sarah like in um in the gift when she says, I don't know how to live in this life of these are my choices. Mm-hmm. And then this episode, she says, you have a choice. You don't have a good yeah. choice, but you have a choice. Right. And so again, and she's showing like the innocence, she's very black and white, how she thinks mm-hmm. she's like, and that's why she's so passionate in this scene. Cause she's like, I understand where you're coming from, but this is still wrong. Mm-hmm. And she's very like, I'm, standing my ground. And then as the seasons go on, she's like, even with like spike in that episode that you just mentioned, Sarah, it's like, she's like, yeah, this man has done a lot of wrong things, but like, I'm not going to kill him, you know? And so like the choices are hard and they get so much harder as the seasons go on. And we talk about it, but um I don't know. It's like, it's sad, but also like empowering to see it kind of progress that way. Because you see, as you see Buffy's character, evolve, you see her responses change, which makes sense. I
0: I would actually argue that what she tells Ford in this episode is actually extremely consistent with her character. I think that all the, way all to season seven. the show. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that all throughout the show she recognizes that you have to make a choice mm-hmm. and that you have to choose whether you're going to sacrifice your own well being for the sake of the world pretty much and i think that's what she's trying to show forward in this episode is that you may be sacrificing your health your life so that others may live
2: yeah and i think all of the seasons of buffy is is buffy herself having to make harder and harder choices and bigger bigger decisions and so like season 1 is her being willing to sacrifice her own life um season two is her being willing to sacrifice the person she loves most in the whole world season three was i mean yeah she was again willing to sacrifice herself for angel too well
0: but it was also season three was her being willing to sacrifice her old life like her relation well no her relationship with faith yeah like being like that companionship of having a slayer friend and not being the only one
2: yeah, I'm. Sure that's part of That's an aspect of it. Season three is gonna be complicated.
0: <laughs> such a diverse season. Yeah, you season know. four, she didn't have to risk anything because Riley's, you know, not worth the space. <laughs> ah, anyway, try not this to get too because much. This just becomes the Riley roasting channel. We got it. We got to save them for the forget, people to
2: listen to later. I legitimately
1: forget he's in the show until he pops up in season four, and I'm like, ah, oh, this dude again.
2: I'm not going to deal my hand on Riley until we get there, guys. You got to let the people
1: wanting
0: more. If you think that I went hard on Xander, (laughs) just you wait until Riley pops up on my screen. At least Uh, at that point, Xander's not bad. And
1: so if it was both Xander, Riley, I'd be like, I'm skipping. I can't do it.
0: I become an actual Riley hater. He's not that bad. The last thing I wanted to
2: say is we talked about the correlations of lie to me when Buffy says, you know, lie to me and all that stuff. And I talked about how it's in The Gift and Lies My Parents Told Me and Passion. But there's another place that it is also in. It's not fade away. And it's when Wesley's Mm -hmm. dying and Illyria asks him, do you want to lie to you now? And he says, yes, please. And I just like – The theme of this episode is very much that sometimes lies are better or at least easier to hear than the truth. And Angel even says that as you get older, you realize that sometimes you'd rather be lied to than have to hear the harsh truth. And so I just think of Wesley in that moment because here's someone who like very much valued truth. And yet at the very end, he'd rather be comforted um, in his last moments. So anyway – what makes me sad every time I think about
0: that. (laughs) On that that happy note.
2: (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Well, thanks, guys, so much. This was a really fun spoiler section. There is just a lot to look forward to. I'm really excited about the conversations we're going to have in the future episodes. All the Riley bashing that Leah is going to do is going to be very entertaining. (laughs) But we hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, you can follow us on Instagram at Becoming Buffy Podcast. Let us know what you thought. And as always, have a good week. And we will see you guys next time.